You're listening to Inclusive AF with Jackie Clayton and Katie Van Horn. All right, this is Katie Van Horn. And this is Jackie Clayton. And welcome to the Inclusive AF podcast. So we're recording this and you can see we have different clothes on and it's because we recorded the first episode not thinking that it might be good to introduce ourselves first. So here we are. Hi. <laughs> so nice you're gonna to meet see, you. <laughs> you're going to see episode one coming up right now um, and we'll be back soon with episode two. Take care. Bye. So we are recording and I think the first topic, I love your idea, Jackie. What are we going to talk about today? So I think it's good to talk about how we've changed in the space, like the difference between 2019 in this month and 2020, because there's no way that you would have even told me last year that we would be in this space or that there would be such a focus on um, civil rights and diversity and inclusion and access and all of these things that we're talking about. So I thought it might be good for us to just kind of talk about that. I know other people, that's kind of why we decided to do this to start because we've been educating and talking about it so much, but we've been doing it before now. Absolutely. And I think it's also, this is such a time of learning for everyone. So, you know, I, I think we should also share what we have learned recently and kind of what, what has stuck with us. Cause I think there's a lot of things, you know, just that you and I've talked about that has been really impactful, especially kind of in this current environment where, there is so much going on. There's so much information being thrown at us and kind of how do you pick through the weeds to get to the, the real information and, and to really understand what's going on. So I, I think it's a great place to start. So, you know, I think as I think about the beginning of this year, even, and, you know, you said from last year to this year, I think last year when we talked about diversity, equity, and inclusion, it was very much a nice to have at an organization a lot of times super underfunded and a lot of times kind of an afterthought for folks. Um, right. And I think that's changed. Um, it's a requirement now. Yeah. I think it's just turned to a requirement for most organizations. Even if before I think we were talking about organizations that were trying to be more progressive and mm -hmm. be more inclusive and understood what people have been saying for so long about how it's gonna make those benefits for your business. And now, even if, if they're not full on, they want to do something to try to have the discussion, I think. Agreed. And I think it's also, it's no longer, like, I think companies realize that people are watching and that's not, you know, I think as HR folks, we've said, oh, hey, candidates want this and candidates are talking about this and they think it's important. But I think it goes further than that. And I mean, I, Ben and Jerry's was a great example of their, you know, their statement after the murders of George Floyd and Breonna Taylor, I feel like they just came out with a very kind of in your face, no, this is not okay. And yes, this is what we support. And that is something that I think has been really good. But I think there's a lot of organizations that are trying to figure out what their right message is. But again, I don't think it's a nice to have anymore. It's a company has to take a stance. They have to draw a line in the sand and they have to start taking action. Well, and there's some things I think that helped. Of course, um, people being infuriated with George Floyd and Breonna Taylor was part of it. But leading into that, of course, we had COVID-19. And so for years, the things they told us that we couldn't do that did not give people access or the ability to take care of their families, for example, or their um, 
taking care of their children or working at home or working remote, all of these things uh, in, in response to a crisis, we saw people move into action. And then another crisis happened. And so people kind of expected that there would be some kind of like disaster recovery plan for what was going on. And more people were paying attention. Um, it wasn't one of those things that you had to hear on NPR on your way home. Like people were seeing it, tweeting about it, seeing it on the news and everyone was at home looking for information about what was going to go on. Even just about the pandemic, people were logged in every day. And then mm -hmm. another news story hit and people, I think tensions have been building up forever anyway. And then we were like, no, you have to do something. Well, I 1000% agree. And I also think the, the murders that have happened in the past have been kind of in a bubble or, or something that hasn't been so in your face. Right. And because we all were at home and we all were stuck in front of our TV or in front of our computer, whatever it was, I don't know anyone who did not see the murder of George Floyd. That's right. I think, you know, some of the subsequent subsequent shootings and murders have been something that people are like, I don't want to watch this. And actually, I think, you know, I Torin Ellis actually said it and I totally agree with this. These videos are becoming almost like snuff films and it's you don't want to watch it. Right. So I think there's a piece there that people were forced to watch it and people were forced to kind of come to terms with this isn't a one-off this isn't something that you know just happens to people over there it was no this is in downtown minneapolis and this is what's happening i think if you remember that day i was like katie you have to watch it it was they mm -hmm. had the thing on the news and then they had the full complete clip mm -hmm. and you said like you had watched the short clip and you were like oh my god i can't watch it and i was like right. you have to watch it mm -hmm have to watch it because it was such a different story than what we were getting and exactly. what we assumed and another thing that that brought up was the way that people are treated i think which was so you know to your point like we were at home people were seeing it was really in your face but then you couldn't because the narrative had changed and it was so different than what we were getting when you saw the video mm -hmm. and also we saw how people were communicating about it how what they were saying um happened versus how they were dealing with it that's what was crazy it was changing every five minutes like oh well he's a criminal and then it was like no but it was twenty dollars or no but he pushed back and they're like mm, no not really and so I think that is part of why people were enraged. Um, we've said it a lot in the black community where it's like, this isn't new, it's just getting filmed, mm -hmm. right? Um, and it was almost like an I told you moment. Like I've been yeah. telling you that this happens and people don't believe that it happens. And mm -hmm. people saw all of their civil rights. And I think part of what was so disgusting in the George Floyd case was so many people were there and couldn't do anything. Right. And people tried. Right. Um, I think some people tried. The, the, mm -hmm. the very public, if, you know, that's scary. And these people are yelling at police officers trying to get them to do something and mm -hmm. filming. And I'm so glad that people were doing it and filming it because then you back up and you look at what happened to Brianna Taylor and it's just heartbreaking. It's heartbreaking on so many, so many levels. And, and that brings up a, a, a point too, because there's so much going on 
but then you look at Breonna Taylor and then you look at the treatment of women versus uh, a man in the case. And it's something, it's just another aspect of what's happening and, mm-hmm. and how we have these conversations. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think, you know, I want to thank you actually for kind of forcing my hand on watching the video because you're spot on. I was, I, I did not want to watch it because I just, it is so bothersome to watch and, you know, and especially when you see a police officer kneeling on someone's neck with their hands in their pocket, as if it's like, you know, walking down the street, like there's nothing wrong with this. And this, you know, like nothing to see here, folks. And I think that was the part that, well, I mean, all of it was vile, but right. I think that was the part that for so many folks, it was like, how is this possible? How is it possible to your point that so many people were there and no one could do anything? Right. How is it possible that so many other police officers were standing there and didn't stop it and didn't, you know, go, Hey, yeah, this is not okay. We need to get your knee off of his neck. Um, so I think, I mean, there's just so much there to that we can unpack, but I, I do believe like, I think because of the, the in your face of that and the fact that people were, kind of forced, like you couldn't turn on any no. media whatsoever and not see the video. You couldn't turn on any media, you know, whether that's Twitter, Facebook, whatever, your, your TV, whatever it might be, everyone was watching, everyone was talking about it, everyone was speculating. And to your point, the information was coming so fast and furious and so much of it was wrong that it was just so eye-opening, I think, for white people to to go, oh yeah, we've heard this and it's real. And now we're seeing that it's real. And now we're seeing it literally happening in front of our eyes. And then from the black perspective, it's like going to work and people saying, oh yeah, that really sucks. And not realizing how, I know it, it, it rattled people's foundation, but it's like, I didn't feel safe. And it's one of those days where I was like, I need to call in black. And I always say, you know, there are days where it's like, it's just hard in the struggle. And I just need a break to try to get myself together because it was hard to talk about normal, you know, talent acquisition when you're like, wait a minute, is this a safe place? Mm -hmm. And it was interesting because the companies that did have something to say about protecting, um, protecting black lives. And I separate black lives matter from people protecting black people because black lives matter mm-hmm. the organization versus black lives matter the movement i think are mm-hmm. two separate things absolutely um but people that were saying that we are are doing this and made you look at your boss so do i matter mm-hmm. and you're just waiting for statements right and and i think that you know from the consultant side of this you know i think the the piece that i heard from so many executives was I'm afraid to say anything because I don't want to mess it up. Um, You know, I'm afraid, like, what if I say something internally and it upsets whomever? And, you know, and I think that's the, or, you know, how far do I take it? How progressive am I in this communication? All of these things, all of these questions. And, you know, just reminding them that you can't sit idle anymore. You can't not say something. And even if you do screw it up, like, then we fix it. And then we, you know, figure out what actions we need to take. And we need to figure out what actions we need to take regardless, but you have to say something. You have to, like I said, draw that line in the sand and say, this is the organization we want. 
and this is the organization we don't want. And, and like you said, create safety for all of your employees, but especially when your black employees are going through this trauma, when your black employees are not feeling safe, when your black employee employees are wondering, what do I do here? Because it is emotionally, physically, all of these things that trauma is happening and what do you do and how do you react to that? So I think, you know, just thinking about from a, like a talking to the C-suite and, and helping them understand why it was so important and not just a nice to have. Again, it's not a, hey, that's something that those companies over there that are really progressive are doing. No, we need to do it regardless of what company you are and kind of what your stance is politically, all of those things. It doesn't matter. You need to do the right thing here. You might be surprised to know that not all serial killers are straight, cisgender white men, and the victims of true crime are not a monolith either. She's Wendy and I'm Beth, and together we host Fruit Loops Serial Killers of Color, a true crime podcast. Together we take deep dives into the true crime stories about marginalized and minoritized perps and victims that often go untold. We also provide the context and nuance that these stories deserve. At Fruit Loops, we're serving up true crime with a side of history, society, culture, and some fun. Listen to Fruit Loops Serial Killers of Color on Spotify, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. We are gathered here today to give you permission to plan the wedding that you want. I'm Jessica Bishop. And I'm Sari Wienerman. And we're the hosts of the Bouquet Toss podcast. Today's couples have to juggle so many things from family expectations to outdated traditions and what's currently trending. So to make it easier, we're going deep to figure out why we do weddings the way that we do. So you can decide what to keep and what to toss from your wedding day plans. You are cordially invited to subscribe to The Bouquet Toss wherever you get your podcasts or at evergreenpodcast.com. By the power vested in us, we pronounce you free to plan your day your way. Well, and and here's the thing that I think from a black-white perspective, like me and you, since people that are listening, we've been friends for a while and um, care about each other very much. But... We talk and about I'm our- white and you're black. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Wait. You might want to know. I'm, I'm black. Um, I'm white. <laughs> and I'm Jackie, in case you don't and know And I'm Katie. Either. Okay. Oh, that doesn't help. We have K's and E's. Anyway. <laughs> so I'm Jackie, the black one. And when we talked about, like, Get Out, like, when we talked about the movie, about how we had different perspectives. And I think... What and when I was talking to some of my white friends that thought it was a tragedy, thought they should be doing something about it, thought this was really, really bad, right? We could all agree on that. But what people didn't realize that as a black woman with a black son, I had we as a black community had to figure out a way to communicate that to our sons and be worried about our nephews and and our fathers and our brothers and because it's different when you're watching like you know NCIS or something and you see that this guy is like a a drug dealer and they arrest the drug dealer because he was doing drugs right it's like even though they said that this person wrote had a counterfeit $20 bill what the 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 way that he was treated did not war wasn't warranted by whatever crime that they thought that he committed right and so you were thinking this could happen to me if somebody got upset and threw me down and could kill me 
-hmm. And that's the thing that it was different that is fear, like this could happen to me. Whereas people in other communities were like, oh, that's sad, he shouldn't have been doing something. And you were like, wait, no. The fact that somebody could pull me over put, and just put their knee on my neck and nobody would do anything, including the three other people, you were terrified. You mm -hmm. were terrified. Um, and moving back, if you, I mean, we know when that happened, we go to March, we go backwards to March, we had Breonna Taylor. You go back before that, we had the woman in Fort Worth who was shot in her home by a police officer through the window who didn't even knock because he saw a gun on the on the on the nightstand and it was like you can just shoot somebody in their house and then you have to go back when we were looking at the other case from the the police officer who knocked on the wrong home and you're like mm -hmm. this is this is major stuff this, this isn't this isn't a mistake right right this right. isn't a mistake as much as they call it and you notice the difference in the results when somebody was filming versus whether they had body cam or somebody was watching it, mm -hmm. um, the difference in the cases. And it, and it was terrified. And then because we were all at home with all of these things going on, all of this buildup, we're already afraid people are dying, people are getting sick, we don't know what's going on. And then it, people at work you're getting these alerts all day you're getting all these things and and for some people it's like george floyd was all they knew they haven't been tracking all of these other situations and it was mm -hmm. just like a breaking point i think for the it wasn't even just the u.s you saw people marching and doing things throughout the world um in regards to that but it's even harder when it's hard to deal with these situations at work. You have to be able to protect your employees and, and nobody knew what to do. Um, even with the, I mean, and you were talking about a statement. Mm -hmm. We're not talking about even an actual action. It's, it's no. we're talking about a statement and it's sad that people would be afraid. I understand. Um, it doesn't make it right. Like I, I, I don't, I don't understand. I, I can believe it. Right. Mm -hmm. I can believe that somebody would say, oh, I, you know, um, but what's painful is that we're witnessing that that our lives don't matter. And then you don't want to say anything to combat that. That's the painful part. Yeah, it, it reminds me. So I was still in corporate America. I wasn't in consulting when Charlottesville occurred mm -hmm. and the reaction from our employees who were people of color who just I remember distinctly one of the women saying, I'm driving into the parking lot and I don't want to get out of my car because people that I trusted at work, I don't know if I can anymore. And yep. people that I felt comfortable that I thought were my friends, do they have these similar beliefs that these people who are marching in Charlottesville and running over protesters and how do you deal with that? And how do you think about that? And, and I just remember, you know, the, with tears in her eyes talking about this and it's a gut punch and it is the i will never have to have a discussion with my child a because i don't have children but also like because it would be a white child that this is something they have to think about and this is something they have to protect themselves and be so so cautious about because there is no also there's no rules 
It isn't a, if you behave yourself, if you put your hands on the 10 and two, if you do this, if you do that, if you listen to everything they say, because even that isn't enough. And right. I think that's the piece too, that so many of my friends have said about like about their kids is, yeah, we tell them to listen to what the officer's saying. Yes, we tell them to do this, this, and this, and it still doesn't work and it still isn't enough. And you're still seeing these things happen. And I think that's the part too, that, you know, you mentioned this already, like, because it's now on camera, it's now real for people that didn't realize these things were happening before. Right. And they have been happening for since the beginning of the U S right. You know, so I don't know. I, I think that's one of the pieces that has been and talking to folks and, you know, and trying to understand and trying to learn, unlearn. I think those are some of the things that kind of come to mind. It's just the, I will never have that experience. Um, but it does come to mind. I think you and I have talked about this before um, that show blackish, yep. which I, you know, Tracy Ellis Ross, I think is absolutely brilliant. Love. And yeah, absolutely. She's the best. And she is having this conversation after the election. So, you know, this was in 2016 or set in 2016 and talking about the fact like I have to have these conversations with my son and, and Andre, um, you know, was talking about, yeah, I have to have this conversation with my sons and then it talking to people at work and, you know, one was a woman, Hey, did you get pulled aside for the talk? And her response was, not that talk, but the talk that we as women get is don't go running at night. Don't wear headphones when you're running. Don't put your hair in a ponytail. Don't, you know, leave the bar with anyone to, that you don't know. Always have a person, you know, have someone, one of your girlfriends with you. When you go on dates, let someone know where you're going, all of those things. And then the, the man that is gay on the show was talking about the fact that like, yeah, you don't talk about it. You don't let anyone know unless you know for sure that you're going to be safe with them because all of these things, you can get killed. You can get killed if, you know, and that's the underlying, did you get the talk? And thinking about that and thinking about what that means in every one of those scenarios, it's just scary. And it's scary that that's the world that we're living in right now that, and I shouldn't even say right now, no, that we've been living that in. We, that we live in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And just how scary that is for parents, for friends, for aunts, for uncles, all of these things. Um, yeah, it just is, it's brutal. But I, but, you know, one thing that I do want to say is that there are some companies that got it right. There mm -hmm. are some companies that got it right. Um, one of them that I am um, excited, like that, I, that I've spoken with where the people at Lowe's, um, they do have a black, male CEO. Um, but even after the riots happened for him to make a significant donation to try to rebuild um, those neighborhoods, but also started teaching classes internally uh, or training at Lowe's internally to have the conversations, started fostering those conversations, um, making resources available, and then also not exploiting the situation. He didn't go on like, you know, Good Morning America the next week to talk about it um, mm -hmm. because he said he had to protect his sons. And so it's a beautiful thing that all of those things happen. And, and you knew that he wasn't doing it so he could sell more plywood, 
he was doing it because it was the right thing to do and and maybe it was because he is a black man and he came from that perspective um but it was great to see that um any other examples that you can think of so target i think did a really nice job obviously they're based in minneapolis and i think that their response was exactly you know what you would have hoped for of kind of the not we don't care that people are taking stuff out of the stores but lives matter than things right and really reinforcing that and reinforcing that you know we want to make sure our team members are safe we want to make sure that the community is safe that's what we're that's what we care about we'll figure out the rest of it later and just that that focus on people because i think that's the you know the response from so many folks kind of from the backlash perspective of you know you have people that are peacefully protesting you have people that are are rioting and you know how do you like think through that and how do you think about how do we do this the right way and how do we respond to this and the response of people matter more than things that just kept kept coming up for me and that kept you know that kind of was reinforced by the companies that i respect and that you know i appreciate their voice on these topics and you know, what's, it's, what's sad is that we know this has been going on. Um, I just hope that people don't become complacent as they have so many times in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think those, there are lots of people like us that don't want it. We want to keep bringing it up until we can have justice of talking about it and having mm-hmm. these conversations. Um, and for people who are, are nervous about having the conversations, you know, reach out to a friend and ally about what you were talking about or a, a trusted person. You can do some of the research on your own. Um, but with all of the organizations and places that you can go and resources online, you're, nobody's alone, right? Mm-hmm. It, it, nobody's alone. You don't have to, um, you don't have to, uh, reach out to your only black friend who's getting inundated by people trying to communicate about that. Um, like there's, there's a fly at your house. Um, but you can, (laughs) but you can reach out to other organizations and Mm -hmm. try to do your due diligence. But I think that it's not enough to just do it on Facebook. Right. Um, but try to broaden your horizons, um, and try to have these conversations and begin, you know, being the brave person to start having it internally, but, mm-hmm. um, but, but, uh, you know, it's the black community is not okay. Right. It's just still not okay. Like I know these things didn't happen yesterday, but still not okay. And, and, and trying to heal through this. Agreed. And I think it's also the, how can we take action and, you know, to your point, you know, don't call your one black friend. As a white person, it is on us. We own our own education, our own learning. But I think it's also the, you know, the amount of resources that have been shared, especially by women of color. And, you know, I am a huge proponent of go follow people on social media that don't look like you, don't have the same beliefs that you do, all of those things, so you can learn. And, you know, there's been so much information that has been shared by just amazing people who are in this space, who are doing this work, who have been doing this work for years and not just from a corporate, you know, I, I have the lens of business. I have the lens of doing this work inside organizations, right. but there are so many people who are doing this social justice work as their life work 
to, to change the, the institutions, to change the systems, all of these things and learning from them and just hearing those voices. And it's not that you're going to agree with everything they say. That's yeah. absolutely not the case, but having that different perspective that you don't have, I just had a conversation at lunch today with a friend of mine and he was talking about someone that he's dating and he's like, you know, the, this guy just doesn't, he's not very woke and, you know, and he doesn't know a lot of things. And so I'm trying to explain like, how do you learn and how do you, you know, figure these different things out? And of course the whole GTS, Google that stuff mm -hmm. um, <laughs> always comes up. And, but it's also the, you know, again, it's the following and listening to people that don't look like you. And, and it's not, Hey Jackie, I'm going to call you on every single situation that happened to a black person. And you need to tell me, and you need to speak for every black person in the world. Right. Turns out I haven't not, met them, by the way. Right. Turns out that's All not realistic. No. It's kind of like it's not realistic to have me speak for every white woman in the world. I've tried, and I've tried. I have as well. Yeah. I think I know. <laughs> I think I we think both I have, have done good, that. <laughs> I, I feel like I have a good grasp on it. Um, no, that. I, but it, honestly, like it is one of those things that you do need to hear from multiple voices, from multiple people, from multiple backgrounds, just to truly understand every topic. And and I that also crosses the political lines. Yep. Where, you know, I know a lot of people who have said, I'm not going to listen to these certain voices anymore because I don't agree with their political beliefs. For me, I'm like, no, I, I want to hear what have they have to, to say. Yeah, yeah, I want to know. I mean, it's wrong, but I want to hear it. Passionately <laughs> wrong. Passionately and willfully ignorant, but that's Redonkulous. okay. Redonkulous. <laughs> it's okay. But we yeah. listen. Because yeah, I, I think it helps you understand mm -hmm. those things. But you know what's cool? Because there's always a, like a webinar or some podcast or something else going on. And then you see the speaker and then you go do your research on the people that are talking, which mm -hmm. you should do before yes. you start adopting some theory from some mm -hmm. person who can be a complete quack. Um, you know, you find out, but then you find out that they're also a parent like you are, or they have a dog like you do, right? or they like Kendra Scott like you do, or whatever it is, they are from the same town. And you can build some friendships. Um, you know, you and I are very active on social, so we have a lot of friends that we've never met in real life from that, right. that period. But I think other people can expand on that to start building networks of people so that you can learn um, and, bring like-minded people, but, but, but then stretch yourself to learn something new. There's no excuses. There's, mm -hmm. there's so many, and most of them are free these days. Right. Exactly. There's a million of them. And, um, I, you know, I just think that it, you know, as you're trying to learn these things, also try to find a friend. Amen. And I think it's also the, in finding a friend, like you said, you know, Hey, half the time you haven't met the person in real life, but you also, you find those common things. And when you actually do get to meet the person in real life, it kind of is magical because you feel like you've known them forever. It's kind of like the whole online dating thing where you're right. like, oh, I talked to this person for three months and then I finally met them in real life. And they didn't look anything like their pictures. No, yeah, and PS, always ask them how tall they are before you meet them in real life. Right, because that's exactly. the weirdest thing. And if they are like posing with like a <laughs> fish, it's not a good idea, girls. Don't do it, don't do it. <laughs> Run away. <laughs> So here, we're also giving dating advice on this dating podcast. Advice. It's working out really well. It's That's totally right. good. Yeah. No fish. Perfect. Okay. No to self. Perfect. Um, yeah. On your profile, these are things that you shouldn't do, gentlemen. <laughs> Listen to Katie. She knows some things. About you will be things. excluded. You will be excluded from the list. <laughs> um, but, you know, I mean, I think that's such a huge thing. And even, I mean, we were talking obviously before we even press record, press record of different folks that 
we haven't ever met in real life and just how yeah. they have enriched our learning and unlearning and how they have enriched kind of the way we think about stuff and how they've also challenged our beliefs yes. in such a great way. And I think that's a piece that even in, when you and I have talked, there have been times when it's like, you yeah, know, I don't necessarily agree with that or no, you know, that's not the perspective I, I have, but hearing both perspectives from both sides, you and I, yep. I think we always come to that like, oh, wow, you know, hey, I hadn't thought about that. Hey, I hadn't thought about it that way. But it always starts with the, I've got your back no matter what. Absolutely. Yes. So sure. it automatically, it's like, okay, let's look at this. Let's look at this. And we're able to look at it together. And sometimes we have to bring other people in. like, For sure. <laughs> not sure what's happening. Um, right. But... Uh, I think that the, you find out these things and you can, you know, you do grow in, in yes, mm -hmm. from having the opportunity of being challenged and sharing it. And we have had different perspective, but what's really nice is that you can have a different um, outlook on how you think things are supposed to be. And, and it's okay that we think mm -hmm. differently. Mm -hmm. um, we can still be friends and not agree. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, Last thoughts before we close this this uh, session. <laughs> uh, I know, right? Do, do I give you a copay? Um, I think uh, the last thoughts are is that people like just know when things like this happen. You 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 cannot. It might not be the same for the other people. Just remember that. Just because you um, yourself might say, "Oh, that sucks," right? But be thoughtful of the other people that you come across um, on a regular basis to show grace, but also give yourself grace. Um, reach out to people, help where you can. But um, I don't know. I just think that we need to try to, we're going to just keep working on it, but we just can't, you know, we can't let it go. We have to still hope. I mean, we don't want to have to work in a place that's uncomfortable for anyone and and just keep that in mind that people need to be able to bring their whole selves to work and we might need to bring up and start having uncomfortable conversations the more we have them the more comfortable they become absolutely and i would love to explore that more in another you know another podcast because i think that's something that we definitely need to talk about is just that how do you create safety how do you create those spaces where people can be okay at work and also recognizing that your experience is not the same as the person sitting next to you in the cube next to you, or, you know, now, especially working from home, the experience is definitely not different. I have two cats I have to contend with all day long and they're constantly screaming at me. <laughs> and I mean, and I know you fly and that fly. <laughs> I don't know what's happening right now. Um, and you have two kids and a husband and everyone wants to talk and everyone wants to, you know, be in the mix. And so I, like, I think it's, recognizing those pieces too of you know we i love your idea like showing grace and giving yourself grace and i think that's it like i you yeah. know hey let's close this did, bad boy out you know what you did bring it up this would be great i think you know um our friend sarah was in forbes talking about what microaggressions at work look like now that we work remote that we need to talk about that mm -hmm. absolutely that was brilliant. so Hey, future episodes, we, we are starting our list here and, you know, <laughs> checking it twice. So thank you so much for joining us today. And we will talk to you soon for the next edition of the Inclusive AF 
podcast. Bye. Bye. You're listening to Inclusive AF with Jackie Clayton and Katie Van Horn. Hi, my name is Sarah, and I want to tell you about my podcast called Can I Offer You Some Feedback? I'm a business consultant and executive coach with over 20 years experience in change management, leadership development, and naturally providing feedback to high performers. My podcast is for those of you who have a complicated relationship with feedback, whether giving, receiving, avoiding, or seeking. Feedback is essential for our development. In each episode, you'll hear from real people across industries with their ideas, perspectives, and best practices on feedback. I'll also be sharing business bites with you, simple explanations of organizational tools, management techniques, and leadership philosophies that will help you and your businesses thrive. You can listen to Can I Offer You Some Feedback on your favorite podcast app or learn more at evergreenpodcasts.com.